गाइज वेलकम बैक टू माई पॉडकास्ट रिमेमिंग आर पास्ट एंड आई होप यू लाइक माई न्यू पोस्टर ओके सो दिस इज मी नैना पांडे एंड यू नो टूडे आई एम नॉट फीलिंग सो गुड बिकॉज ऑफ माई थ्रूट इट्स लिटिल क्रैशी एंड लिटिल इची बट आई एम गोइंग टू यू नो रिकॉर्ड दिस एपिसोड since it's a very fun topic uh, so bear with me if you you know my voice seems like more hoarse or something um in my last episode if you like heard what we were discussing was the <clears throat> social structure and economical structure and cultural things of sunga and satwanas I don't write, and we discussed four kinds of <clears throat> sorry, four kinds of dharm sutras and uh, uh, other things, right? So what we are going to discuss in this episode is about family life, and I can bet, you know, my what that you are going to love. So let's get into it. So, what uh, if you like went back to Sunga period or Satwana period? What you will see as a family life is a joint family system. That was the like main characteristic of that society. And uh, family, rather than the individual, was considered as the unit of the social system. And uh, people or childrens. used to be very obedient you know uh, towards their parents and elders and it was regarded as the highest duty for a children to be obedient right and uh, if we will talk about marriages then marriages between these members of the same jatis were preferred okay although the intermarriage between different jatis were prevailing but it used to be preferred that uh, the bride and groom they belong from a same jati but it that doesn't mean that the intermarriage was banned or it was frowned upon or anything because it was prevalent okay and the marriage in the same gotra or pravar is restricted okay gotra if you can if you guys know about your gotra then you guys can ask your parents maybe that to it is believed that of same people uh, people of same gotra are kind like a family okay they come from um, a same lineage so they are more like a family and that's why they can't marry right because marrying into a same family uh just not it wasn't just ethically wrong it was more of like a biological reasons uh, and uh, actually it's proven you know in egyptians family uh, in the egyptian kingdom or the whole dynasty most of the family used to keep themselves as a pure blood and uh, in you know in the process of that they used to marry their own cousins their own sisters and there are many examples in the egyptian um kingdom that they used to marry their own brothers and sisters or cousins but the next generation which used to 
which used to um, you know the next generation which is born out of that wedlock okay out of that um, you know that i don't know that's weird kind of wedlock from my perspective marrying your own sister or your own brother those kids they used to carry genetical uh, defects tutankhamun was a very big example of that different kind of genetical uh, defects used to be found in the babies who were born out of a wedlock which happened between a brother and a sister or a you know two members of the same family so you know uh, marriage in the same gotra it was like a same family was restricted even back then and more people who still look out for goat have the same reason you know um, if your parents look out for kundli you know they match kundli then there is a perspective of seeing that they belong from the same lineage or not okay uh, then there were eight forms of marriages and i told you about that in my i can't recall the episode but i told you about the different kind of marriages okay there there used to be marriages from same jati then there used to be marriage from different jatis then there used to be marriages in which bride and groom used to accept each other and uh, then there were marriages where bride was bought in which you know they used to pay a bride price and then there were other marriages like marriage marriage by kidnapping or you know marrying with uh, getting married with a, a retarded girl or a girl who is mentally ill so there were different kind of marriages now among all of those marriages there were eight types of marriages i told you out of this i told you the worst one was pishach right and the last two one pishach that a uh, marriage used to be condemned by all the dharm shastra what i told you about pishach marriage was that um, a person gets into a relationship a physical relationship with a woman who is sleeping or a woman who is mentally retarded okay so it's more like you're making a physical relationship with a girl without a consent and if you do that uh, you are uh, you are more or less uh, married you get married with that lady and it was the worst kind of marriage and it was condemned by all dharm shastra and it was supposed to not um, you know the it was more it was frowned upon it was not allowed at, actually at all so <clears throat> there was that and women not got uh, good education but also held like honorable position in the society and household okay there were two classes of women students um, they were that were mentioned in that time there were brahmavadini and sadyoda okay brahmavadini were the lifelong students of sacred texts and sadyoda satyodvada sorry if i'm pronouncing it wrong 
they used to pursue their studies until they get married okay after the marriage uh, they didn't you know feel like pursuing it but then brahmavadini were the women uh, with this female student who used to be the lifelong students okay the other one which i told you sadyoga who used to pursue the studies till their marriage they used to receive training in things which will help them in their married lives like uh, cooking or uh, stitching or even in the fine arts some of them even received the uh, training in fine arts like music dancing and paintings and other stuff now there is a description in megasthenius and kautilya <coughs> sorry sorry guys about my voice but just bear with me okay so there was a description of megasthenius uh, and kautilya it appears that uh, some of them even went for military and administrative training also and we are talking about women's guys back then uh, it wasn't that uh, they were captain houses all the time or they were veiled or anything they were allowed for military and administrative trainings and they were allowed to pursue their <coughs> studies as long as they liked okay uh, it was their own choice if they want to pursue it for like lifelong or they just want to pursue it for till they get married and the ideal marriage you know, in that society were where the father and the guardian of girls selected the bridegroom on account of his qualification the women enjoyed honorable place in that society and sometimes they reached high eminence in various branches of arts and science and administration as well as revealed from the literature of the period even the class of courtesans enjoyed a social status not accorded to them anywhere else in the world the theme of several dramas of the period revolved around courtesans we find the reference to the practice of sati also and sati was the practice in which women used to <coughs> sit on the pyre of their husband uh, rather than accepting the widowhood <coughs> and uh, it used to be a voluntary uh, exercise actually but uh, after um, i think after most of the time like when mughals started coming or when uh, invaders from central asia started you know pouring in india then sati what uh, somehow became uh, uh, you know i'm not anything i'm not uh, you know encouraging it or anything it was a very very cruel practice and thanks to british for one thing that they got rid of the sati practice um, during that uh, when foreigners used to come and they generally used to take women as their prisoner of war and they used to keep them as a sexual slaves <clears throat> and when the rajputs and other people started getting this idea they and even the women themselves they preferred you know killing their women rather than <clears throat> you know making them you know getting caught in the hands of the invaders 
even the women themselves they uh, prefer dying rather than becoming a sexual slave of a invader so at that time uh, until that time sati was a voluntary exercise and few uh, girls had two choice either to become a sati or uh, to carry a widowhood widow had a uh, widowhood also had uh, some of the rules and regulations that they had to follow but uh, until the invaders showed sati was a voluntary exercise and after that when people get started getting killed in all these conflicts and women were started they were you know uh, they started taking women as their slaves as a sexual slaves even so they prefer these women preferred killing themselves and that's how it became um uh, what you can say it became a, a necessary kind of exercise but uh, soon after that it got stigma stigmatized and it got rigid and uh, the main purpose why the women used to go uh, become sati that all got you know it got lost somewhere in the field and uh, people started doing this practice without the consent of the woman and uh, lots of women lost their life because of that and it was a very cruel practice right so at that time also they used to prefer and in the family property all the sons had large equal shares but uh, unfortunately a large number of them shastra reject the right of women to inherit but yojana valka lays down a list of property or priority in inheritance which places wife followed by the daughters immediately after sons the right of a wife to inherit if no sons were living has been accepted by most of the ancient indian authorities however she was allowed some personal property known as istri dhan now the concept of istri dhan and uh, why uh, in some part it is still followed istri dhan is the property that is personal to the lady who is getting married it's like their jewelries and clothes after some time it also became a uh, part of uh, various various societies that uh, women uh, the family of a woman started giving the furnitures and stuff as well you know to start the whole new family they even used to give that lady uh, the yields of the crops like uh, rice uh, the um, pulses and stuff they used to give that like the uh, like a person who is starting the new family or a person who is moving to a new home thus all the stuff which is required by the person is given to that lady by her family and the whole of that property used to be considered as istri dhan that is the personal property of that lady and um she used uh, she was allowed to have them okay irrespective of that uh, her husband died or the son took the property or anything else all that thing which belong to her will be hers only now the earth shastra 
allows her to own money up to 200 silver pannas an amount above this could be held by her husband in trust of her behalf now the period witnessed an efflorescence of new ideas leading to the rise of new philosophical schools and religious sects which modified the outlook of the society and a visible in all four major religious sects of that period these were vaishnavism shaivism buddhism and jainism now when we were talking about the reign of ashoka buddhism became one of the leading religion in india right now the group of foreign invaders that appeared on indian soil from the 1st century bc onwards were attracted by its liberality and simplicity and accepted buddhism in large number one of these were the three meander in about which we talked in milandophono he lived in the buddhist tradition as raja milan but by far the greatest known among the foreign patrons of buddhism is that of kanishka his fame in the buddhist world is only second to that of ashoka during his time buddhism spread to central asia china southeast asia and west like ashoka kanishka called Buddhist Council the 4th council in Kashmir under the joint presidentship of Vasumitra and Ashwaghosh the convening of this council led to the division of Buddhism in two broad sects the Hinayan and Mahayana while the Hinayan followed the older order and philosophy of Buddhism the Mahayana introduced many new elements in the older order some new features that were introduced in the older order were the introduction of belief in the bodhisattvas being those who were in the process of obtaining but had not yet obtained buddhahood buddha became to be worshiped in icon form from elaborate rituals instead of symbols to hinayana buddha was a great teacher and the mahayana considered him as a god hinayan believed in the salvation of individual as the goal of life while mahayana believed in the salvation of all beings sanskrit was adopted as the language of religious literature and a new canon was developed differing from the old in many essential aspects the development of mahayana philosophy is ascribed to the nagarjuna or nagasena a contemporary of kanishka he propounded madhyamika school of buddhist philosophy properly no uh, popularly known as sunyavad chanism also flourished during this period along with buddhism and enjoyed patronage of kings and wealthy people the group of chain monks began to settle in different part of the country one group from magadh moved towards west and settled in saurashtra that is in right now maharashtra while the other group settled in kaling in odisha where it enjoyed a royal patronage under king kharvela in south india their main concentration was in karnataka and in tamil nadu sharvaran belgola in modern karnataka became the great center for jainism despite the division jain communities remained more faithful to its original teaching hence the number of its adherents has remained fairly constant Vedic religion did not remain unchanged obviously through all these centuries some of the vedic gods we know 
that had quietly passed into oblivion and some were reborn as new gods with additional attributes. This was the time when the Vedic religion assumed features which today are recognized as Hinduism. But this new religious development was based on the philosophy of the Upanishads with its concept of the absolute or universal soul. This concept also helped to develop the idea of the trinity of gods at this time. Brahma as the creator, Vishnu as the preserver, and Shiva also known as Rudra or Mahesh as the god who eventually destroys the universe when it is evil ridden. Of the three gods, the cult of Vishnu and Shiva and sometimes associated with Shakti cult became more popular. One form of Vaishnavism is Bhagavatism. The supreme deity of Bhagavatism was Vasudeva Krishna, son of a Devaki of the Vrishni family. By the 2nd century BC, this new sect had spread in large area as inscriptional evidence shows Chosuk. Now the famous Besnagar district Vidisa that is in Madhya Pradesh, there is an inscription right, that mentions that Heliodorus, the Greek ambassador of King Antilicidas, called himself Bhagavata and even erected a Garur Dvaj in honor of Vasudev at Besnagar. It is thus apparent that Bhagavatism like Buddhism was popular enough to attract the foreigners. The philosophy of Bhagavatism is described in the Bhagavad Gita. Other early inscription related to Bhagavatism can you can be found, that can be found in like uh, Ghosandi that is in Rajasthan. Then there is a Mathura that is in Uttar Pradesh. Mathura is quite famous actually and Nasik that is in Maharashtra. Savijam seems to have evolved from the Vedic god Rudra and the Harappan deity known as Pashupati. The worship of Shiva incorporated a number of fertility cults such as of those of phallic emblem known as Lingam, then there is a bull, uh, he is known as Bandi and etc. They were also associated with the Shakti cult. The most common cult object of the Shavis is Lingam or a phallic emblem. The earliest specimens of which have been found in the Harappan civilization is of Lingam. Now, one of the important schools of uh, Shavism was Pashupati sect. It was funded by Lakulina or also known as Lakulisa around 2nd century BC. Shavism also attracted the foreigners like when we were talking about Kushan dynasty and when uh, the Kharfasis and uh, we talked about Kharfasis and uh, the second king was the Bema Kharfasis. He was actually a Shavi and we talked about it when we were discussing Kushan dynasty. He was a Shavi. The reverse of some of his coins depict the figures of Shiva along with his long trident and bull. The legend refers to him as a devotee of Shiva. Now in addition to Vaishnavism and Shavism, other minor sect that became popular during the period were those related to other gods and goddesses like Shakti, Ganpati, Skand and Surya etc. 
the characteristic feature of all these sects were a gradual shift in emphasis from rituals to the view which is more you can say what you can say which was more complete okay it was more personal relationship between a god and the devotee that was possible but this relationship was the one where god could bestow his grace upon the devotee in the degree of devotion or bhakti varied from person to person this idea of personal devotion or bhakti was to become the dynamic force of later hinduism now this is the difference between different uh, religions and when it comes to hinduism there is no hard laid path there is no one path to attain your personal relationship with god okay since i already told you the degree of devotion or bhakti varied from person to person right someone someone would feel much better sitting inside a temple but other might feel more relaxed when they are in nature they will feel more near to the god when they are sitting near a river maybe or near a mountain or maybe near a tree or, or maybe another guy feels much nearer to god when they are sitting inside a temple and a bell is ringing and you know worshiping is going on so the degree of devotion is in a very from person to person and this became this this whole idea that a person's degree of devotion are different it became the whole major dynamic force of what we know now know as hinduism now in the first century ad the christianity was introduced in india it was it came in india by the traders from the west the coming of christianity is is associated with the legend of saint thomas who according to the catholic church of edisa came twice on mission to india the period witnessed all round development in the field of agriculture as well industry and trade Now, agriculture was the main occupation of the last section of people outside the gram the you know uh, arable land of the village that is known as the gram kshetra which was protected by fences and field watchmen against pests like birds and beasts and, and other things this land was held by individuals as well as by the state and sometimes the land holding were big like up to 1000 acre usually uh, the the holdings were small enough that could be cultivated by the individual family right now beyond that uh, what lays was pastures which were common for grazing of cattle and it used to belong to the state there was no individual ownership of that that whole pasture used to belong to the state also cortelia gave a plan okay he he's he gave a full complete scheme about a village he said that the land of a village was divided should be divided into other should they should be divided like cultivated uncultivated grew forest pastures etc etc now among the crops rice of different varieties coarse grains sesame saffron pulses wheat linseed sugarcane mustard large number of vegetables and fruits were grown on the boundary of village was generally a forest the village had artisans like carpenter potter blacksmith 
and others a remarkable progress was made in trade and industry a large number of arts and crafts and occupations are not only referred to in literature and epigraphic records but it was also represented in sculptures the literature refers to 18 types of guilds guilds become an important institution in the economy as i already told you guilds had their own rules and regulations and guilds were the ones who used to teach the upcoming generation and the behavior of the guild members were controlled through the guild court the guilds even have their own bankers they had financiers they had trustees you know they were well elaborated ones and one of the guilds is famous for that they are famous for the gateway of sanchi stupa you know vidhisa carved the stone sculpture of gateways and railings surrounding the stupa at sanchi mining and metal industry had grown very important at that time and the markets were established streets were good okay so everything was there even loans used to be uh, given at that time on the security of gold and other things like we do still have like non banking financial institutes in our country which can give you a loan on basis of um, the things you have okay they take something as a liability and that's how they give you loan and this idea used to take place back then also then they were used people used to give the loans on the security of gold and other things or guilds used to give up the loan even money was lent for interest on a promising rates to be renewed every year the usual rate of interest was between 12% to 15% per annum the trade is the new corollary of industry and it is the main channel of distribution of industrial products from the mauryan period you can say both internal and external trades was vigorous in most parts of india all the internal cities ports they all were interconnected you know there was a like well knitted road system and uh, a large number of modern national highways that we have today they were de- developed during that period including the grand trunk road okay it comes it goes it's a very fast road but it was the you know it's initially it was started from that time and it was a very important part of uttar pradesh and later developed by chandrakut maurya the same road was further maintained and developed by shri sarsuri and uh, this is where people most of the people get confused this thing that grand trunk road was actually uh, the idea or was a work or was the achievement of shri sarsuri but it was not actually okay <clears throat> it uh, this road or this path it was actually much more older it was older than chandrakut maurya chandrakut maurya developed it later but it was much more older than that and people used to use that road from a long time okay so shesha suri wasn't the first one to develop it he maintained the same road and then developed it but the discovery of monsoon winds in the first century facilitated to reduce distance between the western ports of india to the ports of alexandria and egypt with the help of monsoon winds the whole distance could be covered in 40 days or so so india's trade with rome increased enormously by sea 
as well as by road now the one which we use road is what the china is doing right now the its obor project is based on this route which is generally known as the silk route this connected the world from china to rome and served as a transmitter for not only the trading commodity but the culture ideas and religions etc and that's what china is rebuilding now okay in its one belt one road projects that's what china is rebuilding if you guys don't know that they are rebuilding the silk route now about the trading commodities the author of periplus of erythrean sea accounts of roman historians like pliny uh, your ptolemy etc indian literature both in tamil and sanskrit refer to the trading establishment and items of trades now what they used to trade the trading items were indian spices which india was always famous for and for what india even got colonized and ruled over and exploited over for 200 years and indian spices obviously were the item of trade then there was sandalwood a variety of woods uh, western and eastern parts had good very very great quality of woods and then there was pearls uh, semi precious stones animals and etc now arica medu was an important roman settlement and trading station as well it was uh, located close to a port and was excavated in 1945 the romans paid for their goods mainly in gold currency the number of hoards of roman coins found in the deccan and in south india indicate the value of this trade in favor of india the roman historians pliny laminates that india trade was a serious strain on the wealth of rome so see india just never like drain of wealth concept was not just applied on india india actually applied it on other countries like rome okay so when 550 million sestercius went to india each year on luxury items alone one of the last result of this contact was the fairly detailed reference made about india in the various works of the roman period trade and contacts with rome and the west was not the only commercial outlet open for india india saw a growth in indo-china relations and the introduction of indian culture in southeast asia it has been referred to as swarnabhumi in the literature of the period now swarnabhumi means swarn means gold and bhumi means land so india was referred as the land of gold because of so much gold okay so india was getting richer day by day and uh, Romans were dying for the luxury items they were having because India was providing them and they were ready to throw bunch of coal in that. So that's all we are going to talk about, okay? The what we talked about is the different religions and how they came up and how it affected people, the family life, the societal life and how women were treated. And then we talked about the economy. Okay? Now next next episode uh, we are going to talk about the art and architecture of this period and if you forgot in what period we are talking about 
then it is babies like it's songas and sopranos right during those periods we are talking about and after that we are going to discuss more about the science and technology the sculpture uh, method they had and uh, the arts and architecture so if you guys like uh, want to follow me on twitter even on twitter i am there or if you want to follow me on instagram that is nan is here 105 that is n e n i s h e r e 105 and you guys can follow me on twitter as well my name is nan pandey and uh, definitely you guys can follow me there and i'll update you know i will upload lots and lots of pics of absolutely gorgeous architecture i mean if you will i mean you can follow many pages there is a page called sanskrit it's actually written in devnagari lipi you guys can follow that in sorry on twitter and uh, there are lots of other pages on twitter as well where we can say the i mean they are really breathtaking architecture and sculptures and uh, if you guys are from like what my analytics is actually if you guys are from european countries uh, or from um, obviously north america guys just follow in twitter um, the various pages about indian history okay and they do upload lots of stuff and lots of architectural stuff in india and your mind will be blown okay by that the uh, the detail the uh, the detailing in all of their work and it's actually su- surprising that they did all those detailing on granite and this is like i don't know thousands of years ago and it is actually way too much beautiful you need to ignore so just you guys just go on twitter i'm not asking you to follow me or anything just go and follow any indian architecture page or any page who is uh, telling you about indian history and my god they are beautiful believe me and um, that's all we are going to talk about and i'll tell you about more about the art and architectures and i'll name some of the places you guys can google or search for them in my next episode actually okay so hope you guys are healthy and your families are healthy as well keep wearing masks because you know we still don't have any vaccine so keep wearing masks keep your distance and that's it i'll i'll catch you in the next next episode keep liking and keep I want to subscribing because this is scripted. Keep subscribing, okay? Take care.